blessing from the Lord. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really a terrible indictment of their faith. Uh, I mean, don't say anything, right? But uh, I mean, one of the worst things you could ever say was God put this sickness on me for his glory. That's, that's, that's really speaking horrible things about the Lord Jesus. That a great loving and kind God would put sickness, horrible, painful, uh, ultimately death uh, occurring sickness on you so that he can get glory. I mean, that's just crazy talk, right? And yet we just accept that as, oh, honey, I understand. Uh, you know, to me, it just, uh, uh, you know, if you could measure my blood pressure when people say things like that, you know, it starts spiking over into the red because it just, it makes my blood boil when people talk about the great, kind, loving God that I serve, that, that he, in his great uh, wisdom, would, would grant sickness onto your body so that he can get glory from that. That's crazy. I mean, but people say that and they'll say it so, so casually like it says, well, of course, that's true. And yet it's as far from the truth as it could possibly be. I mean, and it's it to me, it borders on blasphemy this, to say that God would do that because it's so I mean, he's the very expression of love. Uh, and to say that putting sickness on you is the very expression of love is so far from being true. It borders on blasphemy. But, you know, but of course, God at being loved. He's, he doesn't take offense at it. Even if I do, you know, he doesn't have to take offense at it. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he just, well, it's a shame they said that, you know. They shouldn't have said that. But people do that all the time, don't they? Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, uh, I understand that in, in circles and uh, there, a lot of times the, the topic of conversation is, you know, sickness and disease. You know, what do you have? What do you have? And, uh, and you know, although I think that's most of the time a waste of time to glorify and elevate your sickness and disease, I don't have a problem mentioning it. Uh, but it's just when it crosses that line into religion. Um, and, and the crazy thing that I think of in all of that is uh, there was no sickness and disease designed in the earth when God created it. And sickness and disease came into the earth because of sin. Uh, and, uh, and yet it's so rare that the devil gets any credit for it. It's so often that God gets the credit for it. You go to 10 funerals in a row Nine funerals will talk about how God took them, right? How God needed him in heaven or, I mean, just the craziest things, right? Uh, I remember going to my nephew's funeral many, many years ago and the minister got up and said, well, God needed him in heaven. As his mother sat there grieving, he told her that the God that she serves stole her child from her because he needed him in heaven. I mean, like God is, is there a labor shortage in heaven? I mean, I don't know, you know, is help wanted signs in heaven and God has to murder people on the earth to fill the, the, uh, the employment lines in heaven. Uh, you know, it's just shows such a lack of understanding of who God is. And people say that all the time. People say things like that. Uh, and they'll, they'll say just the worst things. is just, just, well, that's, that's obviously true, you know. Sometimes you just, sometimes God just, you know, wants you to be sick. Um, uh, and, um, of course, I don't hear any of you all say that. I'd pull your card, you know, and just... I'd make you sit in the, you know, I'd make you sit on the back row. Of course, you know, people on the back row now, you know, uh, and um, yeah, I may, I may make you sit in, in the nursery and listen to it only, you know, by the speaker there. Uh, and so, because uh, we know better now, right? Because yeah. I mean, we've read literally every single uh, instance of healing. We went through all of them, right? All eighty-two of them, every instance of healing. Uh, I don't know that we've covered every single of the four hundred and something verses related to healing, uh, but we've covered many of them. Many of them we've covered many times. Uh, uh, but we, if you look at every, every example that there were sickness, God's answer was to provide healing, right? From all the way back in the Old Testament when they, the fiery serpents came and they were dying because of their sin. Then you can see that every, every sickness, uh, uh, especially in the Old Testament, was preceded by sin. Now, that doesn't mean that every sickness is, is uh, we know from the New Testament, that especially with the man that was born blind, that sin is not always your specific sin is not always uh, a requirement that you sin prior to you getting sick, but all sickness ultimately came about because of sin. But now the earth is filled with sin, right? The earth has been touched by sin. So because of that, sickness is, is in the earth and it will attack anybody can, even the innocent, if the innocent allow it. Uh, and so uh, there are times when innocent people get sick. And those times, those are hard to explain sometimes, right? Why are they sick? They're a wonderful person. That they may be a wonderful person. Uh, all sickness is not because of due to somebody's failing. Uh, 
Uh, now, a lot of people, a lot of times people will judge somebody that's sick. Oh, they must have sin. They've probably, they, they've probably done something. No telling what they've done, right? Uh, I wonder what kind of secret sin they've done. Um, and that would be you standing as a position of judge over their life. And um, you should always uh, remind yourself that you are no man's judge. And if somebody is sick, unless the Lord reveals uh, the cause of it, that there is a cause, then we just assume that it's just a thing. Uh, it may not be due to anything in particular that person's done. It may be because, you know, uh, I mean, you, you've seen with all the COVID, I mean, you walk by something and somebody will immediately, you know, wipe it down. Well, I didn't even touch it. Yeah, but you got close, you know. Uh, and, and, uh, I mean, uh, and um, of course, you know, you can, uh, uh, well, that's a natural thing there, but uh, you can sanitize things to the point that, uh, to almost to the point of a fault, right? Uh, and, um, you know, because your body will naturally fight off and develop antibodies against all kinds of sickness and disease as a natural part. And if you remove that, that uh, ability for that body to produce those antibodies or whatever they're called, you know, um, by sanitizing everything, then if anything ever ha- happens, their body's like, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. So, I mean, that's none of my business. People do whatever they want to, but I'm going to live in, in uh, divine health. Amen. So always make sure that, you know, uh, and I know, and I, well, I have done it a little bit. You know, I've done many funerals over the years, um, especially when it's a tragedy, like a young person dies. You know, if somebody's lived their whole life, you know, we've never, we're never promised uh, to live forever. Uh, it's a shame if, if even after the whole life that they still die of sickness and disease. Uh, but, you know, they were going to die anyway at some point in time. And so it's unfortunate that, uh, that uh, the devil took them out by sickness and disease. Um, but, um, you know, there have been, been sometimes at funerals where I do acknowledge that the devil stole this person. Uh, and, you know, and, and I try to make sure, and I think I've said something to the effect that you need to make sure that uh, you understand that death is an enemy. And that the death of this person's life was not the desire of God. That the enemy of mankind got an advantage in this person's life and, and caused their life to come to an end early. And that's a true statement, right? Uh, and that happens, right? Many times it's unfortunate that the devil is able to, uh, without any, without any uh, provocation on the person's side, he will still, if he can, take an advantage over somebody. Uh, and, uh, and if they don't know how to defend against him, then he may be able to destroy their life. Uh, and, and they may be innocent the whole time. They may have never committed a sin that would prompt you know, sickness to come into their life. But uh, sometimes the devil would just poke around, you know, and just see what he can do. And uh, with, without, a, without the knowledge of the word of God that we have a defense and we have a right to stand against uh, the enemy, that many times the devil will, will destroy somebody's life because isn't that what Jesus called him? Right? The thief comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. So if it looks like stealing, if it looks like killing, if it looks like destroying, then who's the source of that? The devil. I mean, that's one of the most common verses in the Bible, one of the most clearly defined descriptions of the um, work of the enemy in the Bible. And Jesus himself said that. And yet, how many times if somebody dies, do, does God get the credit for killing it? Even though it literally says the thief comes to steal, to kill. But Jesus said, but I've come that you'd have what? I mean, he literally said that, you know, I didn't come to do those things. I came to do this thing. And yet people go, well, I know you came to give life along with death and sickness and disease. But he just said that death and sickness and disease is on this side. It's on the thief side. And unless you think God is a thief, which would be tough for people to say, you know, uh, and really, you know, I think it would help people if they would say things the way that they mean things, right? Uh, because sometimes they'll cover it up in flowery words. Oh, God, and his grace and his love and kindness, you know, has allowed this sickness to come under this saint of God to show them how to be pious and live a righteous and holy life in this earth. And what they're really saying is that God's a liar and God stole this person's life and he, he's, he's, uh, he's the author of death. Uh, well, that'd be kind of cruel to say that, but that's what they're saying, right? And, and so, uh, but God is not the author of death. Uh, God is not the author of sickness and disease. And he never uses sickness and disease for his benefit. Uh, that would show really that he's, he's weak and unable to be wise in order to help people to find the way to full righteousness. You know, he can, he can correct you. He can chastise you. He can bring other people into, into your life to help you and to chastise you. Uh, and uh, 
I think he's wise enough to figure out how to do that without resorting to uh, sickness and disease. Um, because if, if the thing that I can't figure out, to be honest, is how does anybody uh, serve a God who's willing to make them sick? How is anybody willing to, to uh, say, Lord, I love you and I'll do anything for you and thank you for making me sick? I mean, how do they do that without becoming bitter and angry towards God? Now, I know plenty of people who have gotten bitter and angry towards God because of sickness and disease. And it's, again, it's a shame because why are you mad at him? You should, be, you should love God more and be mad at the devil. Uh, put, put the blame where the blame uh, is supposed to be. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, uh, sometimes I wonder about people, you know. And I know some of it is due to lack of teaching. But, you know, I've had Pentecostal people come to me and say, you really believe God's will is to heal somebody every single time? Yeah. Well, I'm going to think about that. I mean, they go to Pentecostal church. You know, I mean, if, if they went to a church, uh, you know, the one fellow I had my, had my neighbor, he said he'd been to church, same church for five years, never heard a single message on healing. Okay, fine. If he doesn't understand healing, well, that's, you know, that's not entirely his fault, although he could, you know, go to a church that, that uh, uh, teaches on healing or could sneak around under cover of darkness like some people do, you know, and get some uh, instruction on teaching, you know, on healing. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, so, so, okay, for him, maybe, maybe we let it slide if he doesn't understand healing. But, you know, I'm, even in Pentecostal church, you're going to hear something even by accident on occasion by healing. And, and so, um, I don't know. I, you know, I, it's a wonder to perform sometimes, you know, or wonder to, uh, to observe sometimes about uh, um, uh, to hear how some people talk about it. So, uh, but we know, amen, we know that the source of healing is God source of all sickness and disease is the devil uh, and, and we understand that every sickness and disease is not due to a specific demonic presence some of it is just there's germs and viruses out there right and they all don't carry a devil with them they're just germs and viruses floating around doing things what they do and um, uh, uh, and so uh, and to uh, i have enjoyed the things that we've learned uh, in all of these years of teaching healing school and a source of healing uh, and uh, the and the source of sickness and disease, uh, and so the one th- one of the things that I have enjoyed the most about learning is that there is no law, uh, and so don't make a law. It's, uh, there is no law that the source of the of the sickness is due to your failings. There's no law about that. Sometimes there's not any, uh, and that the that the way the healing will come. There's no law. So even if it's a demonic presence, Jesus always didn't always cast the devil out. Uh, sometimes he just laid hands on him. Uh, Paul, remember, he, he sent uh, handkerchiefs and aprons. Uh, and it says that the healing, was, uh, healing occurred and devils were cast out. So nobody casts the devil out, although that's, a, that's a still a real doctrine of casting out devils. But we don't make a law. You know, unless the Lord instructs us to cast the devil out. Uh, and, and even as a Christian, you know, you can have a devil attack your body. A, a de- demonic doesn't mean you're possessed with the devil. It just means that a devil has attacked your body. And the devil, demonic spirit, is the source of that sickness and disease. So if that's the case, you're not possessed with the devil. You don't have to be, you know, uh, 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 I don't know the best phrase for that, but uh, uh, what's that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can be set free, but, uh, you know, we're not exercising a devil out of your life, even though we don't really do exorcism anyway. But um, you're not possessed with the devil is what I'm trying to say. You're not, because uh, being possessed with the devil is a spiritual thing. That's separate from uh, an attack of the devil from due to sickness and disease. Amen. And as a Christian, it's you're incapable of being possessed with the devil anyway from a spiritual standpoint. Amen. Even if the devil's attacking your body. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you have to be careful. And even if you knew that a devil was a source of sickness and disease, you don't go out and, and cast the devil out of him because people think, was I possessed? And then they start getting images of Hollywood, you know, spinning their head around or something like that. Uh, and so... Uh, so the thing that, that uh, one of the things that we've learned is to have wisdom in how to deal with sickness and disease, regardless of what you know, even if you know that uh, there's a demonic presence, that doesn't mean that you cast the devil out. Now, you might, right? It's fine if you do, right? Sometimes you rebind the devil. Um, uh, and so, uh, so, and then sometimes, you know, we've learned that uh, you speak to the symptom. Remember, Jesus uh, rebuked the fever, and fever is not generally a sickness in and of itself. Fever is generally speaking, it's the symptom of a sickness, right? It's the cause. It's due to your body overreacting to a sickness and trying to, to destroy the sickness. Sometimes Jesus uh, spoke to the 
spoke to the symptom and command the fever to, to be gone. Uh, and so the only way the fever could leave is if the thing causing the fever left, right? And so it still works that way. So uh, uh, there's just, you know, uh, if no one ever else got anything out of it, and I believe you did, but if no one ever else got anything out of healing school, I've gotten a lot out of it, amen? Uh, and really all it's done for me is solidify and, and, and uh, shore up my belief in the absolute desire of God for us to live in divine health all the days of our lives. Uh, and so, and I have found, you know, in my own personal life that, uh, that uh, when things try to attack my body that I just am never afraid of it. Uh, so many times we get in fear, oh, what is that? You know, what's that new thing? Um, just uh, you learn to just speak to it and it goes away. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and so, and I can't tell you how many times, you know, for me personally, uh, things like arthritis has tried to get on me. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not really uh, in an elderly stage, but still, you know, these things oftentimes start when you're younger uh, and will progress and become a real problem as you get older. Uh, but you can speak to it. Amen. Does it have a name? You have a name. So if it's got a name, we've got a name that's higher than that name. Amen. So don't ever be afraid when the, when the doctor gives you information, right? People say, oh, I've got bad news from the doctor. Not if he's given you a name. That's kind of good news almost, right? That, oh, now the devil has showed his hand. Now you know exactly what it is. And so you can speak to that exact thing. Amen. Uh, and so don't ever be afraid. You know, some people will be afraid if something occurs in their body. They're afraid to go to the doctor to find out what it is which I've always thought was odd because it's there whether you go to the doctor or not, right? Not going to the doctor doesn't change it. Well, I'm afraid to find out what it is. Why are you afraid to find out what it is? Because it's still there, right? Even if he says it's whatever it is, why, would, why, why are you afraid to find that information out? Amen? And sometimes I go to the doctor just to find out what it is, to find out what that thing, oh, okay, well, now I know. Now, now that I know, I've got a name. And if I've got a name, I've got a name that's above every name. Uh, and so... I mean, you, you follow your own faith, you follow your own heart, uh, because some people, when they get that information, it's too much for their mind, right? Then that's all they dwell upon. Uh, and I know, um, I, know uh, I think Sue is the exception, uh, more than the rule, when people get the diagnosis of cancer, fear consumes them. Uh, and, and in order to help that person get out of that, you really have to get them to get out of the fear first uh, before you're able to really minister them well. Uh, and so, uh, so we are we are here in this chapter. This is the last chapter of the book. There was a couple other things that uh, uh, Brother Bosworth had in his book, and I'd encourage you to read the last couple of chapters there. But we're going to finish up with this chapter, and really we're at the last part of the chapter here. Uh, and uh, he talks about the, uh, an, a resume. He said an, an instructive resume. And so he's really just kind of making the case that if you look at the whole counsel of God, what do we see? Uh, and he said that there's evidence for healing in the Bible. Uh, starting all the way back in the Old Testament with uh, God's redemptive and covenant name, Jehovah Rapha. Remember in Exodus 15, 26, he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. But that word Lord there is the word Jehovah, right? And some people write it as Yahweh. It's really four uh, Hebrew letters that don't even have vowels in them. And we just added vowels to make it easier to say. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, but it's the word Jehovah. And, and you know, in, in reading church history, uh, we find that uh, a lot of times when the scribes, because, you know, they'd have to make copies of the Bible, so they have to handwrite the Bible, you know. It's like, uh, can you imagine today, hey, I want to get a copy of the Bible. Okay, come back in three months, I'll have a copy written for you, right? Uh, and uh, I'm going to go back to my, uh, you know, I'm going to do, you know, five chapters a day, and uh, even at five chapters a day, what, there's uh, 1,082 chapters, that's, two, that's 200 days, right? Uh, at five chapters a day and then of course you, you get sad when you get into the gospels because they're only got 70 verses in them right so it's like oh, five chapters of the gospels take a long time five chapters of the epistles are always really short uh, and, and and you love five chapters in the book of psalms right you got five verses you know four verses sometimes right we love five chapters in the book of psalms don't we so uh, but um, but a lot of times when they would get to the word jehovah or yahweh it's really y-w-h-w uh, in the English or the, the uh, uh, English version of the Hebrew letters, um, they would stop. Before they would write the, that word, they would stop and go wash just out of the honor for that word. Uh, and they would go cleanse themselves and then come back and write that word. Uh, that's how much honor they had for the covenant name of Jehovah. Uh, and so he said, I am Jehovah that healeth thee. And that word heal is Rapha. 
Uh, and uh, if you go through and look up the word Rapha through the Old Testament, it's, it's always talking about healing. I think there's one or two instances where it's not specifically talking about healing. Uh, but he said, uh, this is who I am. So it's not just what he, what he does. He said, I am this. I am the God that heals. So uh, if he was the God who heals, has he changed? Is there any reason to say that he's changed? And for people to say that God has stopped healing, what they're really saying is when he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, uh, what they're really saying is what he actually said was, I'm going to be Jehovah Rapha for a while, but then I'm going to retire and go to the beach and, and then somebody else will have to pick that up because I'm not, gonna, I'm not doing this forever. Uh, but does that sound like something God would say? I'm not doing this forever? No, if God said, I am Jehovah Rapha, how long did he intend that for that to last? Forever, forever until... The only time it's going to end is when there's no more need for Jehovah Rapha. Right? Someday we get a glorified body. Well, he no longer needs to be Jehovah Rapha because we, we now have a body that's no longer subject to death. And so uh, even though he will still be Jehovah Rapha, it's just going to be an un, unnecessary uh, attribute of God that he no longer is the God who heals because uh, he still will be the God who heals. It just he doesn't need to be that. Amen. Uh, and so that's one of the uh, evidence that God is our healer. Uh, and, you know, everybody knows that he's Jehovah Rapha, right? Anybody remember the, the song um, by Kenneth Copeland, Jehovah Jireh? Remember that back in the 80s, right? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my, my provider. Well, there's like seven covenant names that he said, I am Jehovah something. And so one of them was Jehovah Rapha. One of them was Jehovah Jireh, uh, the God that supplies, right? If he's the God that supplies our need, is he still the God that supplies our need? Well, sure. Yet people say, well, you know, uh, God wants us to be poor. Uh, you know, and I, I told you somebody came up to me and got mad at me because of the, the doctrine of, of prosperity. And, and Bible, well, the Bible says that God loveth the poor, right? Uh, uh, and yet uh, it does say that, uh, right, in, in uh, two different versions of, of the uh, Beatitudes in the Gospels. And, and one, one says God loveth the poor uh, or blessed be the, the poor. But the, the other version says blessed be the poor in what? Spirit. So uh, why would you intentionally forget the other uh, rendition of that beatitude? Because you've got a, you, you've got a uh, preconceived idea of what God is. And you want to ignore any evidence that would dispel that idea. And that's, that, that shows you that you're a horrible student of the word of God. That you're picking and choosing doctrine based upon your ideas. Uh, your doctrine should always be based upon what you read in the word of God. And be willing to change when you get more information. And so all they had to do is read all the, all the Gospels, if they read all the Gospels, or just both of the, the versions of uh, the uh, Beatitudes and, and both accounts of the Beatitudes. And if they'd read it, they'd realize, well, I can't say that God wants to, uh, that blessed be the poor because that's not the full counsel of God. He said, blessed be the poor in spirit. Because it wouldn't make any sense. They said, God, uh, blessed be the poor because then the only way you can be blessed is to sell everything or, and not just sell everything, but give everything away and become a poor person. Uh, and the problem is, didn't uh, the big book of uh, Deuteronomy in chapter 28 say, if you obey me, that I'll bless you everywhere you go. That I'll bless the very, everything that you lay your hands to. So if you touch it, it's blessed. Uh, and everywhere you go, if you're in the city, you're blessed. If you're in the country, you're blessed. If you're, uh, you're, you're, uh, uh, if you're coming in, you're blessed. If you're going out, you're blessed. Uh, and, he, and Jesus said, said many times that the concept of that if you give, it shall be what? Given, given unto you. So... The problem with that concept is if you're a generous person, you can't help but to be blessed. So how are you going to be poor? How are you going to be the best person and remain poor? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're doing everything and being obedient to everything God tells you to do, how, and how could you possibly remain poor? Because Jesus said anything you do, you're going to, going to reap sowing and reaping, right? And so if they're sowing and reaping and, and that, that uh, spiritual law has been in place since the beginning of time, uh, the law of sowing and reaping, uh, how can you remain that way? It doesn't make any sense, right? It's just bad doctrine. But it's because somebody wanted that, wanted that particular idea, right? Uh, and so uh, he is Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Jireh. Nothing is ever cha has ever changed, right? And he will remain uh, all of those. And those attributes will remain active until they're no longer needed. You know, if we're walking on streets of gold, we don't really need a Jehovah Jireh, right? I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't need... Uh, him to provide food for us every day if we don't need to eat every day, right? We don't need for him to give us clothes every day if, if we live in, in heaven. Uh, and so, although he is still unchanged, 
that attribute is no longer necessary for us to draw upon by faith because things will change. And, and that goes to the same thing for healing, right? That someday the need for healing will, will come to an end, but that doesn't change God, who God is. He doesn't stop being that, that, that part of God. It's just that attribute of God is no longer necessary for us to, uh, uh, to, to draw upon. Uh, and so that was part of God's covenant of healing and we mentioned this about the teaching and promises of healing in the Old Testament types, right? Uh, so we talked about Deuteronomy chapter 28. And the first part of Deuteronomy 28 is all the, all the good things that happen if you obey God. And the second uh, half of Deuteronomy 28 is all the bad things that happen if you disobey God. Uh, and most of the time, people see that as God um, punishing us when we disobey Him. Uh, and, and, you know, years ago, I remember the Lord just gave me some revelation about that because it's hard to read the Old Testament and not see God as being the God who's just always mad about something, right? Always, you know, well, I'm going to open up the earth and, and they're all going to be eaten up, swallowed up, right? Uh, I'm just tired of them. Uh, and instead, seeing it from the standpoint of, from a, a standpoint of authority that in the Old Testament, who was the authority on the earth? The devil was, Right. There was authority in the whole earth except for this tiny little country of, of Israel who had a covenant by their choice with God. And because uh, God came to Abraham and said, hey, if you will, I will establish a covenant. But I have to have your okay. I can't do it on my own. I have to have your approval to establish this covenant. And Abraham said, sure, I'll be glad to establish a covenant. At that point, then God became the authority in Israel. Uh, and, and so he warned him. He said, look, uh, as long as you're within my my uh, covenant, you're good. All, no, no sickness and disease can touch you. No, no poverty lack can touch you as long as you stay in my covenant. But be warned that there is an enemy who has legal authority in the earth. If you step outside my covenant, here's all the bad things that can and will happen to you. Uh, and so it was a warning. It was not so much a threat. Most of the time people read it as a threat, but it wasn't a threat. It was a warning that there is a, there is a God of the earth, not the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that uh, rules and reigns in a legal standpoint and he has legal right that as soon as you cross the line he's a legal right to come and take you out uh and so uh, so you should read the old course you should read the old testament a bit with a grain of salt because it's come to an end right the curse is no longer active on the earth right uh, that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law uh and, and how many times people say well you know i'm sick because you know i got cursed because i did this thing bible says you know if you disobey god you'll be cursed uh, and even people love to, especially preachers love to say, you know, if you don't give tithes and offerings, you're cursed for the curse, right? And what Malachi says. Well, it does say that, except the problem is we've been redeemed from the curse, amen? Uh, and that goes along with sickness and disease. Uh, and so, uh, and if you read Deuteronomy 28, in fact, I think it'd be good just to read the last that one verse there, the end of chapter 28 there, because this should be the most, the, clear, uh, uh, the clearest uh, understanding of that sickness and disease is not part of the blessings of God. Uh, and so in the second half, again, this is where he's talking about all the bad things that will happen if you disobey God. And he said, also, in verse 61, also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon thee and until thou be destroyed. And really we understand from the, from the Hebrew language that, that, that uh, uh, they weren't able to write a permissive sense. Uh, in the sense that God couldn't do anything about it, but we understand that, that those things can't come about because uh, once you step outside the covenant of God, he is unable to do anything about it. Uh, this is on you. Uh, but when he said, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law. So uh, which sickness and disease today does not fall under this category? You know, they, they, they discovered AIDS, right, in the 80s. Uh, they discovered COVID-19. When did they discover COVID-19? 2019, right? <laughs> That's why it's called COVID-19. I mean, somebody spent a lot of time trying to figure out what we're going to call this. I just call it COVID-19, right? Uh, and so, uh, so it didn't exist before 2019. But it still is covered in this verse, right? Because it's, it's part of every sickness and every disease, every plague, which is not written in the book of this law. So that means that every sickness and every disease is part of the curse of the law, right? So Because this is the curse of the law. This is the law that if you violate this law, you will be cursed. And so that, that means every sickness and every disease is part of the curse. So if every sickness and every disease is part of the curse, then why are we saying that God bring it, brought it upon us? 
Uh, it came about because of some disobedience somewhere, right? Either in you directly or in somebody's life indirectly uh, and still allowed that to come into the earth. So if it's part of the curse, then what have we, what have we been redeemed from? The curse, right? And, 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 and even if you believe that God put it on you, which, you know, is not accurate, but even if you believe that God was putting this on you, if you understand the New Testament, you should know that this had come to an end at the cross and that we are no longer subject to these. So and that you, and so you should read that with that light. Read, you should read all these curses uh, and find out, Lord, am I am I under any of these curses? Right. I mean, there's talking about itching and scratching and, you know, that you'll be consumed and uh, there'll be wars against you. And I mean, all kinds of things. Right. That, that's going to come about because of the curse of the law. So you, you can read all of these things and find if you're if you happen to fall under any of these, then you can use your faith and say, well, Lord, I've been redeemed from that. You know, if you're if you're destitute and poor uh, and, and you're always behind in everything uh, and you can and you can read these these uh, verses there and you can find out uh, that curse shall be your basket in your store. Well, that sounds like you, you always have a zero bank account, right? A zero balance in your bank account, right? And at your store, your storehouse, right? Uh, and if that's the case, then uh, it cursed shall you be in the city and shall be in the field. Everywhere I go, it seems like everything breaks. Well, see, if you'll acknowledge that to be true, then you, and then you come back to these verses and you go, well, but that's part of the curse. If that's part of the curse, then I have already been redeemed and purchased out of that lifestyle. All I have to do is apply faith to what I know now, according to the word of God, that I've been redeemed from that, and you get yourself out of that. Amen. Being poor is part, of the, is part of the curse of the law, right? That everything that, that you'll be oppressed, that you'll be spoiled every way. Um, and, I mean, he talked about your wife, talked about your ox, talked about your sons and daughters, talked about your fruit. Uh, you should be mad for the sight of thine eyes. Um, I mean, smite you in the knees and the legs. Uh, you know, anybody got joints and, and joint problems, right? Uh, that's part of the curse. Isn't that part of the curse? It's part of the curse. So you can say, Lord, that's part of the curse. I'm not subject to that. I don't have to be subject to that. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's fine to, in fact, you should. It would be helpful for you to read the curse of the law. Uh, now this is just a summary of the curse. It's not all the law, right? But, but it's a pretty good summary of the law uh, of the curse. Um, uh, and so uh, uh, the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. Uh, you know, if there's a drought, that's part of the curse. Amen. Uh, and so... Um, it's just it's just good and and if you believe the new testament then you should be able to find everything in these in these verses uh, really starting uh from verse 15 to the end of the chapter if you read all of those curses of the law then uh you can rightfully say i have been redeemed from every one of these uh, and so if you anything that you're dealing with you find in a curse and of course he kind of did everything covered uh, all of us sickness and disease by that one verse that we read there in verse 61 uh so uh, do that, right? And, and be free from the curse. Uh, and so, uh, and then if the Lord shows you other things that, uh, that you brought this upon yourself by um, stepping outside of his covenant, then, then uh, you can always repent from that, right? Uh, and so, and he talked about the, the universal precedence of healing set throughout the history of the Old Testament. Remember who was the very first one that, that uh, prayed for somebody to be healed? It was our friend Abraham, right? He prayed for Abimelech, the king, to be healed. And was the king healed? He was healed, right? And even in the Old Testament, uh, uh, people that were seeking healing from, uh, the, uh, from, from God's prophets or God's uh, men uh, received healing, right? And so Naaman came to Eli uh, Elisha, right? Uh, the widow came to Elijah. Um, the, uh, Abimelech came to Abraham. Uh, everyone, even in the Old Testament, came to God's people to obtain healing, received healing. Amen. Uh, and so that sets the precedence for us uh, then into the, into the New Testament. And so uh, he says the words, teaching, commands, and promises, the healing ministry of the Lord uh, by which he revealed the will of God for our bodies. And I think that's one of the strongest um, uh, aspects of understanding that healing is for us today is looking at uh, Jesus and his life and ministry because Jesus said, I came to do thy will, O God, that he was an express uh, image. In fact, uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter one, it's good to read that in, in the light of this because uh, we should understand that uh, in Hebrews chapter one, uh, the Bible talks about uh, Jesus uh, here overall. And he says, 
uh, in verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Uh, so he is the express image of God. Everything he did was to, was to be an express image of who God is, of who the Father is. Uh, and so what did Jesus run around doing all the time? Healing, right? Uh, how many times did he make anybody sick? Yeah, and you would know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of times when there's just maybe one verse or one incident where, where Jesus did something and you wonder, well, why, why is that one verse in there? You know, it's not repeated in all the Gospels. It's only in that one Gospel. Why is it in it? Well, the Lord wanted to specifically mention that to, to reveal part of who God is, part of the will of God. Uh, and so it may just be a, a fairly minor point. You know, not that there's anything minor with God, of course, but, but it, it may not hold as much weight as to, to let us know about healing. Uh, but he, everything he did, he did to show the will of God. Uh, and that should be a, a big enough uh, uh, reason to understand that God does not desire his children to be sick. Amen. Uh, and yet still, that uh, seems odd to some people that, uh, uh, to say that. We, we mean God doesn't want us. Sometimes God wants us to be sick. That is not true. That is not a true statement. God always wants you to be well. Uh, and then after the, the ministry of Jesus, then uh, he said, the works that I do shall you do also. Didn't he say that? And so what was one of the works that Jesus did commonly? It was to heal the sick, right? And then he told the church in... in um, uh, Mark 16, to lay hands on the sick, and they'll do what? Then he, then he, he, he gave us the, the understanding from Paul's ministry uh, as he wrote to the Corinthians that uh, I have left the gifts of healings into the church. That, well, that's one of the express ministries of the Holy Spirit is the gifts of healings. He mentioned nine gifts and manifestations of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One of them is the gifts of healings. Uh, and yet people will say, well, that was only for a period of time. To establish the church. And it's like. But well, you made that up. Because is the church fully established now? Has everybody received the gospel that's going to? So why. I mean that didn't make any sense right. Because I mean. At what point did God say. Well that's enough of being established. So we're going to cut that off. So we're no longer going to do that. In, in what scenario would that make sense right. I mean you go through. The different, uh, the different times and seasons. Of the, of the history of mankind. And there were probably times and seasons where the church was less established than they were in the first century. You know, the first century, a big revival, right? You know, Paul preached to tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. There was a church in Jerusalem of 80,000 people. Uh, and then you get past the first century in the second, third, fourth century. And there were probably less people uh, uh, involved with God, especially as, as the Roman Empire grew. And I know that eventually the Roman Empire ended, but as the Roman Empire uh, started destroying peoples for following Christianity. It made a very unpopular uh, uh, thing to do, right? I'm going to become a Christian and die immediately. Uh, that kind of would motivate people not to be involved with that. Uh, but, you know, you look at the Dark Ages and, you know, a lot of things. And even, even when the, the Catholic Church was running things and they had all the crazy ideas that if you give me enough money, I can, I can absolve you of your sins, even though you could do it for free, right? That was the whole purpose of Martin Luther coming around. You know, you, you, know, you can do this for free, right? Made him a very unpopular guy with all the, the money collectors in the church. Uh, and so, so there's been times and seasons when, when the church waned and it almost looked like it would be just come to an end. Uh, and yet, um, there, uh, God is still was healing during all of that time. Amen. Uh, and so to say things like that, you know, it's really, again, somebody has an idea that, that healing needs to have ended and so let's make up a reason why it ended so that God could establish a church. But once he established a church, there was no longer a need for healing. But he never says that I'm providing healing so that my church can be established. He never said that. He said, go into all the world to preach the gospel. Didn't he say that? Has that come to an end? Has that commandment to the church come to an end? If that, church, if that commandment has not come to an end, then there's still need to do things the way he said, right? He said, the very first thing he said, and uh, these signs shall follow them to believe, the very first thing is they shall what? Cast out devils, right? And yet there's people in the church who believe that there's no longer a need to cast out devils. I mean, so you've gotten rid of all the devils? Where'd they go? Because we, we can't send them to hell. 
Remember, remember when Jesus showed up? Sometimes they said, have you come to send us into hell? Uh, to the abyss, right? To, um, no. Did Jesus ever send, I, and, I, and I cast you into hell? He never did that, right? He cast them out. In fact, he said sometimes it's not good to cast them out because they go in the, in the dry places, right? Uh, seeking rest to finding none. And they come back. Well, if he sent them to the abyss, they're not coming back, right? It's a one-way trip. They can't, you know, this abyss thing, it's old. I'm, I'm leaving, going back up on the earth, right? Uh, none of them doing that. So Jesus never cast them out into the abyss, into the place of, of no return. So if Jesus didn't do that, we don't have the right to do it. Uh, and that means that all the devils that were on the earth when Jesus was on the earth are still here. Uh, and so, uh, so he put the gifts of healings into the church, right? The, 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 uh, the anointing, the, the special gift, right? So every, every Christian has the general faith of laying hands on the sick, right? All of us can do that. Uh, but then God will sometimes especially anoint somebody like Paul, right? Remember that how God brought special miracles. So laying hands on the sick and people getting healed, well, that's a miracle, right? But then he has special miracles. I mean, I mean that's like saying I'm, I'm you know, you know, I'm rich and then there's really rich, right? I mean, it's, it's, they're both good, right? Uh, and so, but he did. He chose to do that, right? The gifts of healings. And we see from, from observation that the gifts of healings were primarily for the lost who don't have the ability to have faith, amen? Uh, and so, uh, are there still lost people today? Well, surely there are, right? Uh, and so, because if, if there's not any lost people, why has the Lord tarried? Uh, there's no reason for him to tarry once the last... Once the last lost person is, is saved, then he could come back today, amen? Uh, but he's going to come back anyway because there will never be a scenario where all the lost people are saved, amen? There will, be a, there will come a point in time when, when there can no, be, can no longer be any more uh, people saved. And that, when that point comes, we don't know when it is, then the Lord Jesus will come back. Um, and he said, uh, the church ordinance of anointing, right? Uh, anoint with oil. You know, and some people who don't even believe in healing still will anoint with oil. Uh, uh, they'll anoint with oil for, like, service, right, to anoint people um, for um, become deacons or different things. Uh, but has the Lord stopped the ordinance of anointing with oil? No, I mean, that, he told them to do it in, in, the, in the Gospels. Uh, and um, we only see one time when they did it in the Gospels, when, they, when the, uh, uh, the disciples went out. Uh, generally speaking, you know, we don't anoint with oil much around here, although we can. I think in our little drawer here, we've got anointing oil. If somebody requests that, you know, we, we'll be glad to do it. And sometimes if the Lord tells us to do that, we can do that. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's not really, uh, uh, it's not a law that you always do that, of course. Uh, and for the most part, it's not necessary to do that because the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And we all have the Holy Spirit in us now, don't we, right? They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them when they were in the Gospels. Uh, and so it was a representation of the Spirit of God. So, um, but it's still going on. Uh, and didn't uh, Matthew eight seventeen say that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases? Which is a repeat from what prophecy? From what book of the Old Testament? It's what? Exodus? No. Um, it's Isaiah, right? Isaiah what? Anybody know what chapter? What would you say? 53, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so Isaiah 53, right, with the promise that, uh, uh, of course, the Old Testament called it um, uh, pains and sorrows, right, but that's still sickness and diseases, uh, and so it's, he quoted the book of Isaiah 53 in Matthew 8, 17, and he also repeated it uh, in 1 Peter 2, 24, right, that by his stripes we are healed, uh, and so that goes from the, the Isaiah to the Gospels to the Epistles, so it covers really the whole spectrum of the, the Bible that we have. Uh, and if Jesus bore our sicknesses and diseases, which it says he did, right? I mean, there in Matthew chapter 8, it says he did that. So uh, did he unbear them? Did he like, yeah, I'm tired of carrying them. Here, you have them back. I mean, did he, did he give them back to us? Did he, did he stop wanting to do it? It's like, this is old. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. Has that come to an end? Uh, I mean, if he bore them, did he only bear them for the people that were around him? Like Peter's mother? I mean, you know, he... It was in the context of that was right after he healed P Peter's mother. Was that only for Peter's mother or only for the people that were alive then? I mean, if that's the case, then what was what's available to us today? Because if that ended with Jesus, then did the work of the cross, was that only valid for the people at that time? You know, th these things, 
people don't really uh, review their doctrine and beliefs in light of the whole word of God. They'll just believe something and never, never really confront what they believe. Never really ask, you know, uh, and what I'm believing doesn't make sense. Uh, but if Jesus bore our sicknesses and our diseases, uh, and especially he says, by his stripes, you are what? You are healed. Then did that come to an end? Did that stop? Did, 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 did his ability to, I mean, because in that same verse, in fact, you know, just read First Peter 2.24 because it's hard to read First Peter 2.24 uh, the whole verse, and uh, if you say that one has one part has come to an end, then you have to believe that all parts of that verse have come to an end. But he starts out in verse two twenty four. Who his own self bear our what sins in his own body on the tree? Now, uh, how many people in the church believe that? I mean, basically, if you, that's the only way you can become part of the church, right? Is to believe that Jesus bore your sins. Uh, and for the most part, the whole Christian church believes that Jesus bore our sins uh, on the tree. Well, what's the tree? The tree is the cross, right? It's just talking about the cross there. Uh, that we being dead to, dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Well, you know, really the whole church believes this part of the verse, right? The first part of the verse that, that uh, Jesus bore our sins. Uh, and yet the second part causes controversy. But that doesn't make any sense. Why would, why would the first part be okay, but the second part not be okay? Surely, the, if, if, and all of this is, is really a reflection of what the Old Testament had promised and had prophesied. Uh, but he specifically quotes uh, the book of Isaiah here at the end of it, that by whose stripes you were healed. So if our sins were born on the cross, then surely our, our healing was also born on the cross, right? By his stripes, really, they occurred prior to the cross, but all during that same process from the time from he was captured in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and so uh, it says right there, by whose stripes you were healed. So uh, if he bore our sicknesses and diseases by taking stripes upon his back, was, was that not sufficient for all time? I mean, everything Jesus did, it was a permanent and final solution to any problem that he dealt with, right? When he dealt with sin, was that final and permanent? Is he going back to the cross ever again to deal with sin? Is he going to shed any more blood to, to deal with sin? No, then that was a single event that occurred and was sufficient for all time. Uh, and if Jesus bore our sicknesses and diseases, uh, then w was that a final uh, solution to that problem? Uh, did, and by paying for them, by accepting or allowing his body to be beaten uh, by and have stripes placed upon it? Was that not sufficient for all time? Well, surely it was. It, it, it would have to be just as sufficient for all time as it was for his blood to be sufficient for all time. His stripes were sufficient for all time, just like the blood of, of Jesus was sufficient for all time. And, and there's, you can't come to any other conclusion than that if you're a student of the word of God, to say that the blood was good for all time, but stripes ended after the first century. That, that didn't make any sense, right? Uh, in, what, in what scenario would that make sense? Uh, because I say, well, well, God needed to establish a church. Well, he needed to do that by sin too, didn't he, right? I mean, do we now allow just uh, a sinners go to heaven, right? Just everybody goes to heaven. I mean, that, because there's no need for the blood of Jesus anymore. Just, well, God loves us. We're going to go to heaven. Is that true? It's, we're going to go to heaven no matter what? Don't accept Jesus. Still got to go to heaven? No, that's not true. Uh, but to, to say that God's healing powers come to an end would be to say, well, then all people go to heaven. Uh, and, and um, you know, you want to get a good Baptist riled up and say, oh, everybody goes to heaven. You don't have to, you don't have to get saved, right? You know, they, they would uh, pull your card right there. And they should, right? Because it's not true. Uh, and, and yet people can casually say that, that, uh, that the stripes on Jesus that he bore were only for a period of time in history that no longer applies to us today. Uh, and that's bad doctrine, isn't it? Isn't that bad doctrine? Uh, and it's really embarrassing to me that people would say things like that because, uh, you know, people with PhDs will say dumb things like that. Like, you got a PhD. Uh, and you look at the fine print, oh, it says post hole digger. I thought that meant like, you know, uh, doctor of philosophy. Uh, it, it means post hole digger, right? Which, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Because you're a post hole digger. That means you don't really haven't studied the Word of God, right? I'm not disparaging post hole diggers. You know, I'm just, you know, just, if you're a post hole digger, praise God, right? Uh, and so it is hard work, right? Uh, and so... Did, did he bear our sicknesses uh, and diseases? Yes. Uh, he did. If he bore our sins on Calvary, then he bore our sicknesses and diseases also. Amen. Uh, they both say it in the exact same verse. Uh, and then what about the testimonies of the people that have received healing? 
supernatural healing, right? Not just, you know, uh, they had a toe ache and it healed after a couple of weeks, right? Uh, so, and that's natural, and then we thank God for that. But what about the, 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 how many healing testimonies are there in the history of the church? I mean, tens of thousands, probably millions, I suppose, right? If you could actually track all of them from the, the beginning of the church, right? Uh, so if you read church history, you know, you could find healing miracles in every century of the church. Uh, it didn't just occur in the first century. Uh, but, you know, like all things, what happened is that men got a hold of the church and they tried to turn it into their image. Uh, and so this healing stuff that, that's controversial, so we're going to stop talking about that. So how many churches, uh, as, even as a part of their doctrine, said, we do not talk about healing? Uh, well, that's because men got a hold of it. And men will always diminish the supernatural aspect of God. Uh, and, and anybody that, that, to me, anybody that, that tries to do away with the supernatural, I, I'm always suspect that whatever they say. You know, you go through the nine gifts and manifestations of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and uh, talk about the word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And people that don't like the supernatural will say, well, that just means that uh, people are smart. God makes some people smart. Not really supernatural. It's just, you know, they can quote the whole Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, and maybe that is supernatural. I don't know. I mean, it have to be supernatural for me to do that. Uh, but, but just, you know, there's smart people in the world. So, so that's what it means, right? It's not really supernatural. It's just a natural gift. Uh, and so what are they doing? They're trying to remove uh, the supernatural. Speaking in tongues, it just means people can, can speak multiple languages, right? English and French and Germany, right? Hillbilly, whatever the language it is. Uh, that means they have the capacity and the ability to speak multiple languages. And you know, usually I do, I do employ myself as an interpreter, right? Somebody comes down from New York or New Hampshire somewhere. They get to Tennessee and like, I don't understand anything. Well, let me interpret you. I can interpret it for you, right? You know, that's hillbilly for, you know, y'all. That means you guys, right? You know, and, and bless their heart. That means that they're saying you're stupid, but they don't want to really say they're stupid, right? Uh, and so hush means to shut up, right? You know, you, you're from Chicago. You say shut up, right? If you're from New Hampshire, you say shut up. And you think, oh, just hush, just hush. That means, you know, shut up. Or I'm going to, you know, run over you, right? Uh, and so, you know, I can translate, right? But that doesn't mean I have the, the speaking in tongues. It just means I can translate hillbilly. Uh, and so if you're a hillbilly, I'm not trying to disparage you, you know, the, People get to. Oh yeah, from Alabama. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. I mean, when I my fifth grade, you know, experience when I met Tommy in fifth grade, he's talking and I'm looking at him, going, I don't understand a thing he's saying, right? I mean, just I mean, just southern, just as southern as he could be, right? And I'm thinking, his mouth is moving, words are coming out, but I have no idea what he's saying, right? I, I tried to turn on closed caption to understand it, but there was no closed caption button on them, you know. And so, like, what are you saying? Can I have little words appear up, up, under you, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, uh, my son-in-law, he, he, he works with different contractors, and so this one contractor, his name is Danny, and he'll leave a voicemail from a minute, and he'll say something like, uh, you know, hey, Kyle, this is Danny, and, and, and Siri has a hard time, so she'll transcribe it as, hey, baby, this is Daddy. You know, and, and <laughs> so anytime he gets a transcribe, says, hey, baby, this is daddy, then he knows it's, you know, it, it's, it's Danny uh, talking to him, right? Uh, and so I, I remember years ago, we, we got a visitor's card. You know, we, we get to read re visitor's cards. So I was looking at a visitor's card one day, uh, and I asked Chris, I said, uh, this person uh, is, is Dell. I said, who's Dell? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I know the visitors are coming. I, you know, I usually look at their cards, send them a card or something, you know. I said, who's Dale? She said, that's Dale. Like, well, I know who Dale is, but who's Dale? Well, that's the same word. It's not the same word. One is, an, is, a, is just E-L. The other one is A-L-E, right? Dale, right? But if you're Tennessee, you can read D-E-L as, well, that's Dale, you know. Uh, and so, and if you sound, if you think about it, well, that does sound like Dale if you're from Tennessee. Well, yeah, that's the same word, right? It's not the same word. Uh, and so, you know, you, you learn to translate. But that's not supernatural. That's just, you know, hanging around people long enough to understand what they're saying. 
Uh, but see, a lot of times people will take the supernatural, anything in the world of God, they find the supernatural. They'll try and twist it and say, well, that's natural. You know, and a lot of people do that with creation, right? The Bible says God created the earth in six days. And I mean, as far as I know, it, if he said it was six days, then how many days was it? Six days, right? Well, there was six periods of time. Well, why didn't he say six periods of time? I mean, doesn't the Lord know? Well, you know, a, 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 thousand, a thousand years is a day. Okay, given that, well, that's still 6,000 years. That's still, you know, in the, in the eons of time to, to cause an amoeba to become a buffalo it takes billions of years according to evolution people, right? Well, well, then six days was not six billion years. Well, time operated faster then. They keep changing things because every time you attack their doubt and unbelief, they have to add another layer of doubt and unbelief to, to try to confuse you, right? Well, you know, time operated differently back then. Why? I mean, do clocks not work? I mean, did, 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 was the earth not spinning around the sun the exact same amount of time it is today? You know, because scientists tell you if the earth was just a little bit closer to the sun, not a lot, just a little bit closer, a little bit further, we'd either burn up or freeze, right? And so we're at the exact per, uh, perfect place away from the sun. 93 million miles, right? Uh, and, and so, but they're always trying to, because it could, like as if God couldn't create everything in six days. Why, why is it a hard for, for the world to, or the church to believe that God could create everything in six days. That's always been odd to me. Like, why is, that a, why is that a thing? Because people have to do away with the supernatural. As if God is, he's, he can give things, but he's not really that capable. He, has barely, he barely got the earth started, and after that, it's like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And people act like that, you know, that, uh, uh, because they, they have to do away with the supernatural. And so, uh, and I remember, uh, you know, one fella Years ago, he was in one of our Bible studies, and um, he didn't—he didn't believe in the supernatural. Uh, and I—and I—and I told him, you know, several testimonies where the Lord healed me supernatural. He goes, "Yeah, I just need to see one." You think with all the video on YouTube, you could find a miracle, at least one. And I think there are probably some. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't really look for them because, I, I mean, is it true? I don't know. I wasn't there, right? So, I mean, I don't. I, the last thing I believe is what I see with my eyes, right? I'm going to believe what the Word of God says. I'm not going to, I don't need to see something to believe because believing is not seeing, right? Or seeing is not believing. It's, it's how many lies have been uh, done because people saw, thought they saw something, right? So, but there's thousands and millions of testimonies of healing for all time, amen? Uh, and, so, uh, and so he said at the very end of it, he says, with all this evidence, it seems strange that people of sincere hearts would still believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was sickness. With, with all the things we just described, yet people will still fight to the death almost that uh, Paul's uh, thorn in the flesh was sickness and disease because it's important for them to find one flaw in the promises of God that it really was a sickness that God put on Paul so that their sickness can be excused and they no, they no longer have to believe God for healing because obviously they have as much revelation as Paul had, right? Uh, which, you know, if you look at the qualifications for him to get the thorn, it was due to his great revelation. So clearly they must know a lot about God, right? And yet they obviously don't know a lot about God because if they did, they would never say that, right? Uh, and so, but people still do it, right? How many people do you know actually still believe that Paul's thorn of flesh was sickness and disease? And they'll say it just as casual. Well, that was, you know, God put that on him, right? Because he wouldn't be in pride. Well, couldn't God just say, hey, Paul, don't be in pride. I mean, he talked to Paul all the time, right? Couldn't he just say, hey, Paul, don't be in pride? Well, he didn't need to say that because doesn't the Bible already say don't be in pride? So did, did Paul need an extra reinforcement of the word of God that you and I don't need? Did Paul need something beyond the word of God that you and I don't need? I mean, because don't we also already know not to be in pride? We already know that. So why does God need to reemphasize that with Paul? By putting sickness and disease on it. Amen. Uh, and so. Um, well that's the end of our chapter right. You all want to answer. We only have four questions here. You want, want to answer four questions. And then we'll go. Um, and. Um, uh, these should be easy questions right. But they ha uh, we did spend a little time on this chapter. So you have to dust off some cobwebs right. To, for, uh, of course you probably all have your questions answered there right. Uh, but the first question is. The grace of God is imparted only to the what? And that's talking about the, 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 the scriptures there in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, which is my grace is sufficient for thee. The grace of God is for your inner man, not for the healing of your body or not for, um, uh, not for that. He, the healing of the, uh, the physical body is what's there for the physical body. Uh, and he said in 2 Timothy 
Chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Persecution. Does it say shall suffer sickness and disease? No, it says shall suffer persecution. So was, was Paul a person who lived godly? He was a person who lived godly, right? And so what, what did the Bible say that he would end up suffering by doing that? Persecution, right? Does it say that all that live godly shall suffer sickness and disease? It doesn't say that, right? Uh, question number three says that the Bible says faith comes by hearing. Uh, I like this particular question. But these days, faith does what by hearing? Leaves, right? If you, get, if, uh, you hear every day, well, God stops healing. Well, then what's coming to your life? Doubt and unbelief, right? Uh, and faith leaves you, right? Well, I don't believe God heals because the pastor said that uh, sometimes God wants us to be sick. So faith is going to lead by hearing, but not around here, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, and then the last question is, Paul's thorn did not hinder him from doing what? Uh, I've heard a lot of mumbling going on on that. <laughs> there was a lot of mumbling going on in that question there, but probably a lot of answers are correct. The one that I wrote down was finishing his course for God, right? Didn't he say, I finished my course? How was he going to be able to do that if he, was, if he was, uh, had grievous sickness and disease, right? It would be hard to finish your course and do all the things that God has asked you to do. I told you about the one minister that came by here one time just visiting. Uh, and and uh, he said, yeah, I had to stop ministering because I'm no longer physically able to do that. So was he able to finish the course that God had given to him? No, he said he had to quit the course that God gave to him because of his sickness and disease. Uh, and so... So that, that finishes up uh, an end of an era right there, right? Uh, with uh, Christ the Healer. And so, you know, it's a great book and, and uh, it's a good reference to have. Uh, and, and really a lot of things that we hear, phrases that we hear, like faith begins where the will of God is known, uh, phrases that bring us revelation insight to the word of God. You know, Brother Bosworth is one, the one who coined those phrases and terms, amen, to help us to get, gain understanding to the word of God. Uh, and so... So we're going to pick up, in fact, uh, uh, we're going to receive the offering here real quick. And then uh, we're going to pass out the book that we're going to start uh, next week. Uh, and, um, and so we'll, we'll start that. Uh, and, and you'll get uh, uh, a study guide along with that book as well. Um, and so you know, it's not available for you today, though. But uh, why don't we pray and thank the Lord for the word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for blessing us and increasing us. And, Lord, we thank you for for giving us divine revelation. We thank you for the revelation that you gave uh, Brother Bosworth, Father, to teach and to instruct him and to record that revelation for our benefit. So, Father, we thank you that we'll take the things that we've learned from Brother, Brother Bosworth, Father, and apply them to our lives in faith and increase, Father, and establish our faith specifically in your healing power. And so, Father, we thank you for that and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and Jared, if you'll hold off just a second. Um, uh, earlier this week, uh, Masu, the, the Lord was speaking to me, and he said that uh, uh, we didn't quite get done praying for you last week. So he's, uh, he just showed me that there's more for you than, than what we did for you last week. So if it's okay, I'd like to pray for you again. And, and um, just by direction of the Holy Ghost, and um, we'll just pray, amen. Thank the Lord that you get everything that you need, amen. Uh, so, Father, we thank you. That everything that Miss Sue needs, Father, comes from heaven. And Lord, we thank you for the Spirit of God that fills her body, Father, and affects a healing and a cure in her. Father, everything she needs in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that your spirit will affect a healing and a cure in her body. Drive out sickness, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father. All that she needs, Father. And you said, Father, exceeding abundantly above all that she can ask her think. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. All that she needs, Father. All that she needs, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. 
Thank you. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and kindness, for your healing power, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Full, full of your spirit. Full of the everlasting eternal life Zoe life thank you in the name of Jesus thank you thank you in the name of Jesus thank you Father, we thank you for being so good to us, so kind towards us, Father. We thank you for your healing power. And Father, we thank you that as your children, we are carriers of the healing power of God. You told us, Father, that if we lay hands on the sick, they will recover, Father. So, Father, we are commissioned by the great God of heaven to take that word and that promise and that gospel into all the world, Father, and lay hands on the sick and to declare your good news that the God of heaven came to the earth to save us from our sin and to heal us from our disease. So, Father, we choose to do that, to follow your commandment, to do all that you've asked us to do. And Father, you said that you confirm your word with signs following. And so, Father, as we speak your word, we thank you that you will follow up your word with supernatural signs and wonders, Father, to show your goodness on the earth. And we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Let's, uh, it's okay we receive your offer now, right? <laughs> um, but... Um, Hey, look, even, even the computer knows we're done right now. It says we're, we're finished reading. Uh, and so there we go. Um, we'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, so we'll pick up. And, and uh, uh, Chris, if you'll give me a hand here, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and give you a copy of the book. So this is a book by Lillian B. Yeomans. She was a medical doctor. Uh, she's been gone many years now. But um, actually, there are four books in this book. So she wrote four kind of small books. And so they just combined them over the years into a single one book. So it's easy reading, but it seems a little thick, but it's, uh, uh, it's really not that bad reading there. So, and we, we don't have to get it all done by next week, right? Uh, and so uh, be reading on that book, and we'll pick up um, chapter one next week, and um, we'll see where that goes, right? It's a little bit different book. You know, Brother Bosworth's book is, is really similar to a lot of Brother Hagin's reading, a lot of teaching. Hers is, is a, lot, a little bit more of... Uh, talking about the things that she experienced uh, as a minister. Um, and so, uh, but it's still a good book, and, and um, we'll, we'll start it next week. Amen? So be blessed. Uh, there won't be a test next week in the book there, but uh, we will start it next week, and um, uh, you're dismissed.